Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is August 15th, 2016, and this is episode 167. 176, my mistake. If you're listening to our voice right now, it's very likely you're listening to us on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also find us at Baltimore Sports Report, as we are proud members of the Baltimore Sports Report Network, and you can find us on Baseball Talk Radio. Please listen to and rate and review this show on Google Play Music and iTunes. And if you're listening, a recent reviewer rated us as such. They said, if they promised if I reviewed this show, the Orioles would snap out of their funk. Look, I'm not one to make wild promises, but uh, review what took place this weekend. Mm. Uh, you can find us also on social media all over the place. The best place to find us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview. B-A-L. And with that, Scott Magnus, it is time for the most important part of this week. What is your drink of the week? Jake, I'm drinking a Brewer's Art Beasley Golden Ale. Uh, looks like it's a 7.5. Oh, I'm sorry, 5.7% uh, since we're getting numbers backwards today. <laughs> All right. I have a plethora of light beers left over from party at my house. Uh, some provided by you, some provided by others. Uh, this evening, I had to choose from Coors Light. Miller Lite, and Natty Bow. And what did you go with? I went with uh, a fine Pilsner beer. Which was? Uh, the misspelled one, Miller Lite. Uh, why? Because it was already purchased and already cold. That seems to be an excuse for a lot of things. Hey, your daughter's nine years old. Congratulations. She is indeed. All right. So you can find us on Untapped. Um, you can find me, MEGN8606, where you can check out my lovely beer choices. And you can take a look at Jake, E4025 Untapped, where you can look at Jake basically drinking swill because he claims it to be free. Um, and I guess with that, um, that's pretty much everything we need to talk about in the medical wing. Uh, you want to, sorry, let's get to the medical wing as opposed to the drink of the week. Everything is back and forth. We've already messed up numbers. We've already messed up segment transitions. It's, Scott, it's, it's okay if you giggle. It's okay. I might have to giggle after the end of this episode. Um, one thing I don't think anyone's giggling about is Darren O'Day returning to the DL with a shoulder ailment. Um, you know, they give him a cortisone shot. Uh, they said that they hope he's going to be back uh, within the 15-day allotment, but he, this has got to be a little discouraging. Darren O'Day certainly hasn't had a great season to date, uh, it feels like a lost season to, for him to a certain regard. Um, do you think Darren O'Day is able to come back in September and make any lasting, you know, benefit at all to this team? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to cause. You know, I don't want to be chicken little about it. But it just has the feel of a lost season for him, and uh, it's particularly in a season where we went out and paid a lot of money for him. Yeah, Darren O'Day is making a lot of money to not pitch this season. It's very unfortunate. Uh, and you know, you can argue that with the pitching staff, the rotation being what it is, uh, we need it more than ever. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, it's, it's interesting because at the beginning of the season, when we we're talking this all season, we talked about Darren and Dan, we we're like, well, he's getting up there in age, but based off his arm slot, he's not going to likely get injured. You know, he's going to be, have a prolonged career. And then he's had his most injury ridden season for his entire career. It's just, T typical Orioles luck, I guess, is the best way to describe it. The thing that's so frustrating, though, is that he was hurt before, and he was out for 
forever. Yeah, and but a you, completely you I, different area. That was a hamstring. Sure, yeah. But you and I said to our, ourselves, you know, well, he's going to be out probably till September because it's taking forever. But I thought that him being out all that time, that when he finally got back, he'd be at, he'd be back. So I think this that's the most frustrating part of it that he was with us so briefly after the hamstring injury that he came back and now it's like, oh, he's he's gone again. Okay, and then the other person that came back sort of would be Steve Pierce, who returned not so much into the lineup, but as a pinch hitter. Uh, But there's a lot of concern about whether or not Steve Pierce can actually go out and play in the outfield right now. Uh, There was talk about getting Steve Pierce in the lineup, but again, it would only be as a first baseman or DH. Last time I checked, the Orioles had plenty of first baseman DHs. They really need an outfielder. Um, If Steve Pierce is not able to play that outfield, that seems to be a major downgrade uh, in terms of uh, his usefulness on the scene. And if he was ready to pinch hit, he better be ready to play the field because I I think it's unconscionable to go ahead and use him as a pinch hitter and basically uh, lose all that time that he was already out to be able to um, work towards the, the DL if he's not ready to play. Because again, if he's back and he's, he's confident that he's going to be fine. Okay, great. But if he's not, I don't want to have him, you know, lose the ability to be backdated. All right. Nothing really else to report. There's a few people going through rehab assignments, but I don't think there's anything of significant note. How'd you? It, it also looks like we dodged a bullet with uh, Adam Jones trying to bunt and getting his finger wedged a la Louis Matos. Yeah. Very glad to see him back in the lineup and, and seemingly unaffected by what could have been kind of gruesome. Louis Matos. It's a good pull. That is a good pull. Wasn't yeah. there some girls that used to cheer for him? Yeah, the Louis Matos girls. But okay. uh, Matos hurt his finger really bad bunting one year. Yeah. That's like my lasting memory of Louis Matos. All right. Well, you want to go to 140 characters or less? Let's do it. This week on the Twitters. This first one comes from, well, it comes from Eno Saris. You can follow him at Eno Saris. He writes for Fangraphs. Uh, he also writes this really cool blog. It's called Beergrass. It actually rates out some of the beers. Um, there's also a great book that he post, uh, published called A Baseball Lover's Guide to Craft Beer. Soon I want to have him on the show to talk. Um, he's got a few suggestions in, in the Baltimore area. Kind of just want to get his take. But you know, posted this on Twitter. Told Hunsu Kim heat maps showed that he swung at inside pitches before he understood American left, lefty zone. Stopped after. He laughed. I, I think this is kind of cool that you know, you've got someone here from the blogosphere that's basically sitting down with Hunsu Kim and explaining heat maps to him. And Hunsu Kim's just like, no, no, no. I, I already had a, looked at heat maps before. I'm good. And just kind of laughed him off. I, to me, this is kind of encouraging because this is the kind of stuff that you expect a Major League Baseball team to do. But in years past, I'm not sure if the Orioles were actually doing it. So it's good to get, and get an outsider's perspective and say, oh, good. We're including everybody in this, including Hunsu Kim. Uh, which is encouraging to me um, for the Baltimore Orioles. So, next tweet we're going to go to one from O's underscore Birdland. They tweet at this is Birdland, and I guess what you could say about this tweet is he's back. If you aren't legitimately excited for Robert Andino to be on any twenty-five man roster in the MLB, find yourself a new team with a um, we'll call it an animated GIF that has some strong language. Uh, leftover from the final game of 20, uh, 2011. Next week goes into, well, what you and I both love, a little wordplay. This comes from Jim Palmer, at Jim22Palmer, a timely weaver, hashtag weaver believer at Mass and Orioles. Oh, yeah. Well done, Jim. Well done. Of course, this is after Jonathan Scope hitting his three-run home run on Sunday to put the Orioles into lead. Uh, yeah, that's an excellent job by Jim Palmer. I would like to know how many Weaver believers Jim Palmer gave up. Never a grand slam. Never a grand slam. But how many three-run home runs? I believe Weaver would believe in him a lot of times. But <laughs> go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and take the next Last, one? Last, we're going to talk about, well, it's time again. Hello, darkness, my old friend. This is a tweet that comes from Ryan Parker, who tweets at RA underscore Parker, watching Kevin Gosman to snag the before footage. When he moves on to a new team and is filthy, we'll compare it to the after footage. Ouch. Yeah. There's that a, hurts. He actually posted a really cool uh, gif um, of uh, Kevin Gossman actually warming up at LSU. And he kind of had a happy Gilmore-style delivery where he basically ran up to the mound and then launched it from the rubber. Uh, and there was actually a really cool kind of thread that I wanted to mention. Uh, there was individuals talking about him from his LSU's days and said, you know, when they bring Bart Gossman in – he really had an intimidating factor to him. You know, he basically just basically blew it by 
uh, batters and really tried to intimidate them out there with some of his pitch arsenal. And this whole time which he's been with the Orioles, the Orioles have kind of been, I don't know, not really playing up that aggressive nature slash not really unleashing it to its full capability. They've been kind of babying it into a certain regard, which is interesting because um, I don't really know what they be do. What what are they holding back? I, I don't understand that. Besides the whole taking away the Vaughn glasses and putting in the mouth guard, I, I don't see anything from the pitch arsenal that has really changed between college and now. There's one major factor that's missing. Okay, no donuts. Oh, so if he came out to the mound with a bunch of powdered donuts and like powdered glaze all over his mouth, that would be intimidating to you. Absolutely. Okay. More importantly, it would feel right for Kevin Gosman. When he was the most dominant, he was covered in blow. I mean, he was covered in powder. And he needs that again. It's the intimidation factor that comes from confidence of knowing that you were the hostess with the mostess on the mound. Or, you know, if he's hungry, as he probably is by not eating donuts, maybe he wouldn't nibble so much around the plate. I like that. I see what you did there. All right. Well, it's been a really interesting week in Birdland from the athletic series and going into we don't speak of that again yeah and going into the giant series so jake uh, i I guess emotions ran deep this week let's go ahead and feel out how birdland's doing Scotty, Sunday was an interesting day, and I I feel like to explain some of the events that took place on our Twitter feed, I must explain where I was on this day. Now, as you know, I have cut the cord. I am no longer a cable subscriber, which means that I'm enjoying baseball on the radio for the remaining re- remainder of the season. And uh, you, you really know, like Jim Hunter, don't you? He's... Mm, I was uh, I was set to enjoy myself a Sunday afternoon game. What I did was I actually settled down to take a nap in front of the baseball game, listened to a couple innings of the ball game, then dozed off. And when I woke up, the game was a wreck. The game was an absolute mess and getting worse and worse and worse. And so uh, here's the thing. I freaked out a little bit. And I was not alone. Orioles fans around Birdland were wound really tight about Sunday's game. And it ended up being all for naught because the O's flashed a little magic and came back to win 8-7. to seven. Now, in my defense, I feel like sometimes it's okay to freak out. In a 162-game season, we all have those moments. But I'm curious, Scotty. Were you freaked out? I wasn't freaked out, but I was definitely reserved to the fact that they were going to lose. Um, once they went up, once the Giants went up seven to one, I was just like, "All right, this game's over. Going to go ahead and take care of a few things." I actually said, "I'm going to go to the movies with my daughter," um, and then kind of got ready, started driving to the movie, and I was like, "Oh, it's you know they got a few runs back. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, seven four. Oh, well, okay. It's at least the run differential will be a little bit different. Oh, seven <laughs> five now." Oh, they're setting themselves up for a classic case of orange balls. And then right before the movie started, they were going to the ninth inning, and I'm like, well, I'm going to turn my phone off as the polite individual would be in the movie theater. So I I put it on airplane mode. I'm like, well, I'll see what happened when I get out. And, you know, it's probably not going to be anything good. And I come out of the movie theater, take it off airplane mode, look at it, and I'm like, oh, did I read that right? And I show up, I'm like, oh, wow. I definitely missed something there. So... Yes, I was one of those fans that gave up on the Orioles on a Sunday and never came back for them. My apologies. These things happen, Scott. These things happen. Again, they're going to be ups and they're going to be downs for the team as well as for the fans. And so I think we need to find out how freaked out the fan base is at large. And I think there are useful tools that we can use for this. You are a metrics person. Mm -hmm. You are a metrics person. So I, I took to the Twitters as I am sometimes want to do. And I published out our metrics for exactly how freaked out the fan base are. Um, are you familiar with the DEF CON system that the, uh, the, the defense community uses for uh, the levels of alertness that they have? I am very familiar with it. Most people get it incorrectly where they think DEF CON 5 is the highest level, but that is incorrect. T- tell you what, everybody, go out and watch uh, 1983's War Games 
with uh, Matthew Broderick, you'll you'll have a much better understanding. Okay, so as you indicate, starts at five, and that's you know normal. Everything's good. So we're gonna play a game because I didn't think there was no need to play the game because it's just a silly aspect of playing the game. <laughs> One is the worst. One is like thermonuclear. Spoiler alert. So let let's talk about uh, I, instead of DefCon, I moved to BirdCon. Oh, BirdCon right? Stan, yeah, yeah, yeah. stands for Birdland Condition, right? So let's start with BirdCon Five, and this is this is quiet confidence. You you look at you look at the situation. You say, "Don't worry, we got this." Uh, so for the image I used for this, this was uh, an ever suave, calm, debonair uh, James Bond, mm. right at the poker table. He's got this. He's in control. Let's let's take the next step down, all right? So this isn't Buck sitting on his hands or anything like that. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> okay. Next step down is BirdCon Four. Okay. And I would call this discomfort. All right, you're 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 kind of sweating. What's going on here? I mean, you are invested in this team. You love it, and you are you're nervous. Okay. And uh, you know, people that are sweating. I immediately thought of uh, Gary Williams. So right. the, the so this this sounds like typical. Baltimore sports fan condition. This is that sounds like what we've been at for quite a while now. I feel like most of the time people are in BirdCon four. Yeah, I think BirdCon four is typical average nervousness. Basically, we, we're going to call it the Gary Williams. Yeah, let's let's step down one one level further to BirdCon three. Oh, we're going to level severe now. There are also a lot of folks in Birdland at BirdCon three. Okay, and this is what I call blind faith. All right, Ooh. this is your team. And you're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Things are not going the way you'd like to, granted. But, you know, your show will figure it out. So this is the Rick Dempsey. This is the Rick Dempsey. <laughs> the, and the Jim Hunter. The image that I selected for this was Indiana Jones taking the step onto the uh, invisible uh, rock face in Last Crusade. Let's take it down another notch. Okay. To BirdCon 2. This is when things start to get serious. Okay. Complete denial. Oh, this is Jim Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know things are bad. But you're not going to admit it. You're not going to admit it to the I told you so negative Nancys who have been waiting to enjoy your hopes and dreams being crushed. You are going to deny, deny, deny. Orange colored glasses are welded on into place. Everything's fine. This is Jim Hunter. There's no question. That's the Jim Hunter. He's always in BirdCon too. Let's talk about the most serious condition. Okay. Bird, BirdCon 1. Ooh. Now, I'm not sure I've ever been in BirdCon 1. But I'll have to give it some thought to see if I've ever been at BirdCon 1. You have definitely been at BirdCon 1. Have I indeed? Oh, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> BirdCon 1 is, you are freaking out, man. Did someone slip something in my drink? I am freaking out. This is bad. Oh, God, this is bad. It's all crashing down around us. This team is terrible. The dark edges are upon us again. Ah! So, so I do know a game that you had this slight moment. It was a September 6, 2012 game when the Yankees came back and tied it. And I remember looking at your face being like, here we go again. This is just going to be the same old, same old. Came so close, but it's just not going to happen. And then Adam Jones comes up and hits the home run. And you meant immediately from BirdCon 1 to BirdCon 5. It was the quickest escape from BirdCon 1 to BirdCon 5 that I've ever seen in the history of Birdland. That's interesting. And, and I see, I don't recall this. I think my lowest, my lowest period as a fan was the fourth game of the 2014 ALCS that I didn't watch because mm. I didn't want to, to break my heart. And I think that I was actually at that point in BirdCon 2, which was complete denial. Mm -hmm. Of course, at that point, I was completely denying that the game was happening. Right. So I, I was, uh, if, if I had to take the scale, I would say that I was probably, at uh, at BirdCon, you know, one and a half on Sunday, because I was uh, I was not enjoying myself. No, I was not enjoying myself until the ninth inning. Uh, but you know, so we put it out there to Twitter. Where are you on a regular basis? Where are you about this or that? Please feel free to tweet us at Birds Eye View BA with that. But Scotty, let's take a look at at particular uh, aspects of the Orioles, particular topics, and see how freaked out we are about these particular things. All right. So the first one we've got is the Orioles bullpen and the loss of Darren O'Day. Jake, how freaked out are you right now? I got to be honest. I'm not incredibly freaked out. So I would put myself at uh, 
I would put myself at BirdCon 5 for this one. Right. Uh, I, I'm calm, collected, and confident that the Orioles' bullpen will hold together even without him. Jake, I'm at BirdCon 2. Whoa! I feel really uncomfortable right now. I, yeah, I realize that Zach Bertrand is pitching out of his mind, but the rest of the bullpen scares the living heck out of me right now. Um, in terms of Brad Rock has lost a feel for his changeup, um, and I just don't know if there's anybody else in there besides Zach Burton that really instills a quiet confidence in me. You mean when Tyler Wilson comes out of the uh, bullpen, you don't feel great? Yeah. So look. What about multiple innings from Evaldo Jimenez? It, 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 point proven. So look, <laughs> do I think everything's going to be okay? Yes, because I look at the track record and it's like, okay, we've gotten through harder times than this. But then I look at the roster and I'm like, ooh, is that really going to be the case? So I think I'm at Burkhan 2 for here. Okay. Well, let me throw this one at you then. Kevin Gosman can't seem to put together consistent starts. Scotty, how freaked out are you? I'm clearly at Burkhan 3 here. So I'm at blind faith because I keep thinking to myself, Kevin Gosman has the pedigree. He has the talent. He has the stuff. He should be eventually be able to put it together and not maybe become that ace pitcher, but at least win a game on the road. So yes, Jake, I'm at BirdCon 3. I have complete blind faith in Kevin Gossman, the former media major at LSU. Journalism major. Journalism major. So much. My bad. I, I am also at BirdCon 3 on uh, on Kevin Gossman. So well, well, well said, sir. All right. So the next one we, I got for you is Chris Davis is piling up the Ks. How freaked out are you right now at Chris Davis piling up these Ks back and forth, back and forth? I gotta be honest, I'm at a bird con too. I don't even want to think about Chris Davis and the offensive production we're not getting out of him. I'm just going to focus on the things that are going well and swear like a sailor whenever he strikes out four times. <sighs> yeah, I'm at I'm at two. Jake, I'm at Birdcon five for Chris Davis. What? I really am not Have you been watching him? I, I have. Apparently, I have a better view from the radio. But I'm not worried about this because this is typical Chris Davis where he goes in these ebbs and flows. And right now, he is in one of those flows. And I know that eventually, he's going to come out of it. He was almost out of it until some of his performance. <laughs> and pulled him back in. <laughs> but he's going to get out of it eventually. And I, I'm not worried about this. This happens with Chris Davis. It's just being ramified by a few other people around him being equally as terrible as well. So Chris Davis... I, I see what you're doing, but you're going to come out of it. And everyone that keeps complaining about you saying, up, oh, you're terrible, you're terrible. He's going to come back out and he's going to prove everybody wrong with some monster home runs in the, in the coming weeks. I, from your lips to God's ears. I hope, I hope so. Um, all right. Let me ask you this. Um, we mentioned Adam Jones and his finger. He's had, you know, a couple things tweaked a knee or an ankle a little while ago. He had some back issues earlier this season. He's not, you know, he's not a spring chicken. He's certainly not uh, J.J. Hardy, don't get me wrong. Uh, but Adam Jones is uh, starting to have seasons where he gets a little banged up. Are you in any way, shape, or form concerned or freaked out about Adam Jones and the impact of his health on this club throughout the season? I'm at BirdCon 4 here where I have discomfort. I'm not so much concerned about Adam Jones and his current health. My concern is if Adam Jones goes down, who is the center fielder? And they keep mentioning Julio Bourbon, which just scares the living heck out of me. It just shows, once again, the outfield depth for the Orioles uh, is so terrible that Julio Bourbon, a journeyman who's in his 30s, is your backup center fielder. I'm not saying it's over if Adam Jones gets hurt and basically is out for the rest of the season or going into the playoffs. But what I'm saying is if Adam Jones is out, it's pretty much game over. Well, I don't think it's fair because you need to replace him not only in the field but in the lineup. So clearly, uh, if Adam Jones is lost for the season, the Orioles will just pick up uh, Alex Rodriguez. No, no problem. Bite your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, 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 we'll go to the next one. Um, Wade Miley right now has a higher ERA in Orioles starts than a Baltimore menace. How freaked out are you by right now by Wade Miley? I'm not. I'm at I'm at BirdCon five with Wade Miley because I'm so I guess my expectations were so low yeah. that he doesn't have anywhere to go down to. If I was hoping that this guy was going to be the savior of our rotation, then I would be at a, a lower BirdCon level. But I think he's doing eh, stuff, which is exactly what we needed from 
the kind of improvements we thought that we were going to get from this rotation. The improvements to the rotation are going to come from within. It's going to be guys like Kevin Bundy, you know, improving. It's going to be guys like. Did you say um, Kevin Bundy? Yeah, I did. It's going to be guys if, like if you could combine Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy into one super pitcher, that'd be pretty impressive. It's going to be guys like Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy stepping up and putting together strong seasons. If you combine Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy in one pitcher, do you think they could actually throw a cutter? No. Oh, okay, okay. It would sure. destroy them. <laughs> it would destroy them even faster. A riff would be ripped in the time warp continuum. Time time space continuum. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this, and we talked about it a little bit at the top. Uh, Steve Pierce, clearly not 100%. Right. How freaked out are you? Just kind of some bird con for here, some minor discomfort. Um, I, I really want to see him out there, and I really want to see him playing in the outfield. But if they need to platoon him as a DH, it's not a terrible um, position to be in. Uh, it, it's just it, it's annoying more than anything else. I am, uh, oof. I, I, I guess I'm at BirdCon. I guess I'm at BirdCon 2 here because the thing is, I did have the expectations based on nostalgia of Steve Pierce rolling in to save this team, basically carrying the, the team on his back the way he did in 2014 when Nelson Cruz disappeared. I thought he was going to be back to, to put the outfield right to put the lineup right, to bring back the magic, to have the crowd chanting, we won't stop. And instead, he um, he hurt himself again. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've had a plenty of freakouts, but we also had some geek outs um, recently, too. So one of the geek outs would be Zach Burton has been getting a lot of national attention from MLB Network, Fangrass, uh, about potentially being in the Cy Young discussion before the end of this year. Jake, how excited are you about Zach Burton being in, in this discussion? Okay, I'm super excited about it, but I want to put a pin here and go off on a tangent. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that Zach Burton has instilled me with a ton of confidence the last couple of times he's come to the mound. Yeah. He's had a couple of really rough, scoreless, but rough innings. And Sunday was a perfect example of that. Yeah. He, he was not sharp and... Though he escaped the jam, he has kind of come close to unraveling the last couple starts. And look, or the last couple appearances, look, he, he's eventually going to blow a save. I mean, yep. this, is, this is not an infinite time loop. He's eventually going to get hit around. And the question is, how quick does he jump back on the horse and become a, a dominant closer again? I hope that that's the case. But let me just say this to you. Wasn't there a time when Jim Johnson was a dominant closer in this league? Mm-hmm. Is it possible the shelf life for that kind of performance is shorter than we hope? And isn't it possible that once a closer falls off that horse, that maybe he doesn't get back there again? Yeah, I, I'm of the same opinion as you do. And I'm at BirdCon 2 specifically for this reason of I don't want people talking about it because the more you talk about it, the more I feel like it inches closer to the, the, the point of it's going to fail eventually. So right now I'm at the this is fine. That's okay, but stop mentioning his name too loudly because if you mention it too many times, you're going to break him. So please keep the word Zach Britton mute to a certain regard because I feel like we're teetering on the edge right now. I am, however, super superstitious, but I am, however, super excited about this. Zach Britton is very effective. He I is mean, very effective. Despite what I just said about him teetering on the edge, he has been absolutely lights out. From the stat sheet. Let me ask you this question, though. Let's let's go right to the heart of the topic. Do you think he's a Cy Young winner? I I think he is in the competition, yes. I, I don't think he deserves to be in the competition whatsoever. Is it because he's a reliever? It is partially because he's a reliever. Okay. I, I hear you. Um, but here's the thing. What What is his streak at now? Is it 39 scoreless innings, 40, what, what, whatever it is? Yeah. Okay. Whatever it is. Yeah. He's had to come in 40 times and be at his best. I understand that he doesn't throw five to seven innings. I, I get all that. Yeah. But he has not had an off moment through that entire span. That is, you know, 37, 38 games, whatever his save stat is now, where he's come in and closed the door. And the Orioles have won in part because he hasn't flinched, because he has not failed to be perfect. And I think that, that is a different skill than coming out and pitching 200 innings and giving your, chan- your team a chance to win every fifth day. 
But Zach Britton can impact four, maybe five games a week in dominant fashion. Yeah. And so I, 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 I hear you that starters are more uh, traditionally Cy Young winners. But I don't know that what the, the relievers do, and I don't want to just single out closers because, again, you could come in the sixth inning for a save every game. I think that the job relievers do is different and not any less difficult. I, I, look, I completely agree with you about in, in that fashion. What I'm going to harp on to a certain regard is the saves because mm-hmm. there's been many a times this season where Buck Walter has brought Zach Burton in to get one out to get the save. And it comes back to the save stat is completely ridiculous. So, yes, Zach Burton has come in uh, in up to 40 appearances and basically got the save without having a blown. But in some of those instances, it's been uh, an out. In some instances, it's been multi-inning saves as well. So you've got to give your tap the tip of the cap there, too. He's also leading, I think, the league right now in win probability added for pitchers, which, again, monumental tip of the cap. He's definitely coming in in high leverage situations and um getting that the, the team over the hump and basically completing out the game and you have to also come back to extremely high ground ball rate uh, extremely low fip extremely low era all the peripherals are there he's just not pitching enough innings to justify me saying yep he's a Cy young candidate when you've got starters that are going to go 200 to 220 innings pitched and zach Burton's going to go 60 uh, I don't care how good you are. I just can't justify it in my head. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I hear that argument. And I love Zach Burton. I mean. I think, you know, you and I are allowed to disagree, but I think we're missing the bigger point here, Scott. Yeah. The more Zach Burton is in the Cy Young discussion, the more the Orioles can get from him in a package when they try to trade him rather than re-sign him. That's if Dare No Day ever comes back. Yeah. Bird con too. All right. So the other one is J.J. Hardy is having an offensive renaissance in 2016, specifically in the second half of the season. Uh, he even came out saying that this is the healthiest he's felt since high school. Jake, how excited are you to see J.J. Hardy playing right now? There is no measurement for how I feel about watching J.J. Hardy. Here's the thing. You, so you're at BirdCon 6, basically. Yes. You, there is no BirdCon status here, right? This, you, this knob goes to 11. Oh, wow. I am so excited for J.J. Hardy. First, he's really easy to root for. Second of all, he's the only Oriole older than me, so hang on as long as you can, J.J. Um, But the other thing is that this is supposed to be the weak spot in our lineup, right? Mm -hmm. This is the guy who's supposed to be as close to an automatic out as we got. Instead, it's our cleanup hitter. But what you're seeing from J.J. Hardy is production up and down the lineup. That's awesome. That's exactly the type of thing that this team needs and it's great to see from J.J. Hardy. I just I just hate watching him run. Yeah, which comes back to my point. Jake, I'm at BirdCon 3 right now for J.J. Hardy. I have complete blind faith in J.J. Hardy because I like seeing him play. But in the back of my head, I keep saying to myself, he's going to get injured. And he's going to get injured in September. And it's going to be just like 2014 where the Orioles have to reshuffle their lineup again. And you're going to have Ryan Flaherty and Manny Machado in the playoffs playing. Now, this is... Uh I think that J.J. Hardy has the chance of getting hurt and having the same emotional blow as when uh, C.C. Sabathia hit Nick Markakis in the thumb. Mm. Okay. All right, Scotty, uh, let me let me ask you this. Orioles starters yeah. have the sixth best ERA since the All-Star break. Mm. Okay. How geeked out are you about that? Uh, That's a tough one for me. Um, I'm going to go with BirdCon four on this one so i have a little bit of discomfort about whether or not this is real or not it's not it's not arm discomfort right it, it's not arm discomfort but i'm a little discomfort of I, I talked about it earlier in the season when the Orioles were pretty much dead last in era i was looking at the peripherals and i said look their era is terrible but there's a lot of peripheral numbers here specifically lob percentage that's going to have to come back and that lob percentage has come back and rebounded it was like 75 percent, and typically the average is 72 percent Earlier this year was 68%. So the Orioles are bouncing back from, um, sorry, folks, they're regressing to the mean from where they were earlier this season. So in, in April and May, they were extremely bad, but they probably weren't as bad as they th- as we thought they were. Now, they're probably a little bit better than they, than they actually are. But I think having Caleb Joseph back and I think having Matt Wieters back and allowing them to play in tangent is really going to be beneficial. I think playing Matt Wieters every single freaking day um, was a negative as well. So, yes, 
I think that the Orioles rotation is going to be middle of the road. Um, I think it's going to be in that six to nine spot for the American league. And maybe that's good enough as the starters, if the bullpen can hold together and if the hitters can start to getting it together. But yeah, I'm I'm okay with this, but I'm nervous to see when does the shoe drop. I'm at BirdCon three, mm. and that's blind faith. And and the reason is is because early or b- before the season started, we thought that the pitching rotation was going to be awful. Yeah, I mean, I picked them for 78 wins on the back of the fact that I <laughs> got you're stupid. <laughs> I think I picked 79 wins, but. <laughs> On the back of the fact that I thought that their rotation, as quote-unquote bolstered by the Ivana Gallardo acquisition, was just not going to be enough. And the rotation has, by far and large, been pretty remarkably bad. And yet, here this team is, in August, a half a game out of first, in currently in a wildcard playoff spot, yep. and one of the more dangerous teams in the AL if you had to play them in a short series. Sure. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna roll with it and say, you know what? I've got blind faith that one way or the other they'll they'll work it out. And if the rotation sucks, the bullpen and the lineup will come to the rescue. Mm, okay. Um, I think that is about it. But folks, we've gone through a plethora of topics in terms of the the birdland um, that's going on. Let us know what is your bird con situation that you would like us to rate. Uh, contact us Bird's Eye View B A L with the hashtag BirdCon. And we'll get back to you with where we stand. And and please let us know where you are during a game, uh, during a series, as the week progresses. Don't don't hesitate to use the BirdCon. I, I need to know where you stand, Birdland. Yeah. But, but Scotty, keep your finger off the nuclear devices, okay? You you can't trust me with the codes. I also need to know where Mike I stand. Donald. I need to know where I stand somewhere else, Scott. Can you tell me? Can I tell you how you're standing in the standings? Oh, yeah, you're standing pretty good this week. When it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh baby, you sure do swing. When it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh daddy, you are the king. Baby, you've got me beat up and down, inside out and across. All right, so last week's category, was, which is a short, short week, was on-base percentage. And um, it, it was an interesting one. Um, Jake, you went with Hunsu Kim, which was a, a fairly obvious choice. Hunsu Kim ended the week at 400 on-base percentage. Uh, I went with Chris Davis. I was expecting a rebound. And actually, for a good portion of last week, Chris Davis was doing great with on-base percentage. I was at BirdCon 4 sweating it pretty bad. Yeah. And then Sunday came, and Chris Davis decided to literally just kill all my hope i believe the word you're looking for phrase you're looking for is messed the bed yeah so christy was finished this brief period with a 375 on base percentage which again is not terrible no but he messed the bed for me on sunday so as much as the orioles did great on sunday he messed the bed with me and sunday was another messing the bed because well jake clicked on a wild card somehow matt we just hit a triple how is this possible it's dark magic scott it is dark Orioles magic, but uh, I am the boss this I, week. I'm glad that everyone that noticed this on Twitter that listens to the show basically <laughs> claimed Jake must have a horseshoe up his posterior for this to happen. It was an anatomically improbable place that I pulled it from, but yes, the horseshoe is there. So that I do add two points to the score. It brings the contest to nine to six. Oof, so Scotty, I'm, I'm gonna have to hit, start hitting these wild cards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what bird con you're from. You're at right now, but you you do need to hit some wild cards. So last week, before all this nonsense, we uh, talked about how we would do a complete and thorough review of the wild card situation. Uh, so let's just review real quick where we are and whether or not we're gonna keep it, and if so, what we're we gonna do. So uh, the first wild card was. Next Oriole to hit a triple. Your choice was Jonathan Scope. Yep. My choice, yes, really, was Matt Weeders. And i got to be honest, my second choice, Ryan Flaherty. Mm, okay. those, those two, for some reason, always hit triples during the season at some point. All right. So that one's spent. You got burned, so you should pick the new category. All right. I'm going to do one that's a little bit more simplistic. Uh, I'm going to go with 
which Oriole is going to have the next multi-home run game. All right. Ooh. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Machado. That's a good choice. Uh, I'm going to go with my boy, Crush Davis. Really? You were riding that so hard on the rebound. I'm really hoping for a rebound here. Even the, the thing is, even when he's struggling, he can have one of those games that Correct. reminds you why they used to call him Crush. But ooh, um, I, I think that it'd be interesting to to select uh, Trumbo. I think he's clearly got it in him. Yep. Um, and you have to start giving some uh, some consideration to Scope. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's back to being you know dope. All right. So the next multi homer game, you've got Damus. I've got Machado. Who will own it? Uh, or right, next one. We we had a wild card for the next Oriole to hit a 450 plus foot home run. You selected Trumbo. I picked Scope. Uh, this one's still active. Do you want to keep it or do you want to replace it? I'm going to keep mine. Okay. So you, you want to keep the category. I want to keep this category and I want to keep my selection as well. I also want to keep my selection. I think Jonathan Scope is going to hit the ball incredibly hard and make children and women weep. All right. Next one we had was next Oriole with an eight inning uh, start. And no, I think we've actually had one of these, but it wasn't a click for either one of us. So I actually went with Kevin Gossman. You went with Chris Tillman. What do you think? I I don't know. I, I think as a wild card, it's good because it doesn't happen that often. Right. So I feel like, you know, it's it it can help anybody, uh, you know, later on down the season. So I, I'm in favor of keeping it. You all right with that? I'm okay with keeping it as well. All right. Do you want to keep your selection? I do not want to keep my selection. How about you? Uh, let me see. Are, are you going to pick Tillman if you pick somebody else? Absolutely. Then I'm going to keep my selection. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go really out there, mainly because I'm hoping and praying. I'm going to go Dylan Bundy. I don't think that's out there at all. He's clearly the the one of the more effective starters we have right now. Ride the hot hand. Yeah, I'm going to go Dylan Bundy. I think it's going to be tough for him to get innings pitched, but I'm hoping that something crazy happens and he just magically happens. I just don't see it right now with Kevin Gossman. So I'm going to ride the hot hand and go with Dylan Bundy as my new pick uh, as opposed to being able to take Chris Tillman off your hands. All right, the next one we have that's still active is the next Oriole with a 10-strikeout game. Uh, this one is still active. Um, however, you picked Chris Tillman, and I picked Tyler Wilson. Yeah. I'd like to lower this from 10Ks to 9Ks. Hmm, that changes things. A little bit. It does. Um, okay, so we'll change it to 9Ks. Uh, clearly, I cannot stay with tyler wilson why not (laughs) that's true he could get nine nine strikeouts in relief he could uh he he had like four perfect innings in relief he he did yeah but you're baiting me ah okay so you who did you have you had tillman i had tillman i'm gonna take gosman okay i'm gonna take dylan bundy you are you're just gonna ride him I'm going to ride Dylan Bundy and his massive K uh, percentage as of recently. So, yes, I'm going Dylan Bundy, Dylan Bundy, Dylan Bundy. Although Kevin Gossman did great on Sunday in terms of strikeouts. He just had a lot of walks. (laughs) It just wasn't all that he had a lot. So that's our wild cards. We updated them now. Uh, But we also need to pick up this this week's category as well. So I want to do a simplistic stat stat for us that would allow us to basically – choose something very easy. I'm going to go with hits this week. Not batting average. I'm just going to go with – hits all right uh i got it oh no you select first because you got burned uh no i picked the category so you get to pick all right um i'm gonna go with adam jones all right i liked adam jones a lot that's actually was gonna be my pick um so i'm gonna ride hopefully the hot hand and i'm gonna go with manny machado all right i like it manny machado is a good pick Adam Jones doing things at the top of the lineup right now doing things at the top of the lineup again not because he's the top of the lineup but because he's hitting really well. The other thing, too, that bothers me um, is people have really been giving Adam Jones a hard time in terms of his plate discipline. But I was looking at his strikeout rate for the past two weeks. It's at, like, less than 10% right now. So he is putting the ball in play. And you can't harp at a guy that puts the ball in play. Look, I I freaked out. I'm going to say it again. I freaked out on Sunday because the Orioles had two innings in which uh, Hansu Kim had a five-pitch at bat and then... uh, 
the rest of the six outs were recorded with 10 pitches. But the thing is about Adam Jones is that he makes a lot of contact on that first swing. He he does. And, And usually when he makes contact, good things happen. Well, speaking about good things happening, let's go ahead and get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Jake, I'm going to let you start this week uh, and, and take it away. All right, here's what I'm going to do. For my good, I'm going to go Scott with a cap 10. Oh, look at that. A cap yeah. 10. None other than Adam Jones. 192 weighted runs created plus in 32 plate appearances, leading the team up there at the top of the lineup. 395 Woba, and he led the team with a 567 slugging percentage. Adam Jones getting it done in an authoritative way. He was really good this week. You know, there's a few players that actually were really good this week, but I'm going to give it to one player and one play, and that's going to go to Jonathan Scope. Um, this podcast would have a completely different tone to it, and and Berlin in general would have a completely different tone to it if Jonathan Scope did not hit that three-run homer to win that game. Uh, the Orioles would have came off of that uh, West Coast trip uh, going four and six, uh, they would have been losing two series in a row. Uh, the complete opinion in Berlin would be different being down a, a game and a half to the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, Jonathan Scope deserves some major praise and some major accolades uh, for basically dropping that ball. So uh, Jonathan Scope gets my good for the week. Can we just talk about the uh, San Francisco series real quick? Sure. I think back to the 2013 season and what could have been. And there were a couple key moments that tanked that season. And the trip that they went out to Arizona and San Francisco was one of those moments. The second moment that I can think of right off the top of my head was that 18-inning game that they lost in Tampa. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What what does matter is that San Francisco could have been a defining negative moment for this team in 2016. I'm hoping that that win propels San Francisco trip to being a positive game changer for the Orioles. By the way, in the May 21st game where Weeders hit the three-run homer to beat the Angels, um, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, it's a huge game. Hopefully they can take momentum. They lost the next four games. Shh. Yeah, just point that out. Can I go to my bad? Sure. All right. My, my bad. You know what? I'm going to break the rules. Yeah. You go first, then I'll go, and then I'll take, I'll take ugly Clips first. bad this week is pitchers hitting. I mean, it is an absolutely atrocious uh, thing to watch, uh, especially American League pitchers batting. I understand there's this art and, you know, interesting thing of substituting uh, out pitchers for hitters in the National League, and everyone says it's very strategic. But, man, in the early innings, it is boring as heck. When you come up in the third inning or the fourth inning and you've got men on first and third and with one out and the pitcher comes up, you're just like, gosh, this should be a much more interesting inning, but it's not. Um, So, yeah, I realize that in the later innings it can get really interesting, but in those early innings, pitchers hitting is absolutely atrocious. So your bad is pitchers hitting. Absolutely. Scott, <clears throat> my bad is pitchers hitting. Yeah. But different, I oh. think, from from where you were going. Okay. My bad for pitchers hitting is when the opposing pitcher Ooh, yeah. hits you. Like, oh, I don't know, maybe Cueto driving yeah. in a run for himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, that was that, actually one of my moments on Sunday where just like it's not our day. Yeah, it's not going to be our day with Johnny Cueto hitting balls uh, on the ground and just kind of trickling past scope. And I'm like, nope, not going to be the day. But um, well, baseball showed me. Um, so my ugly is basically going to come back to being me. Um, and it just comes back to my lack of belief and my whole thing of being like, eh, this game is over with. I hadn't seen the Orioles really make a significant comeback and be that offensive juggernaut for quite some time now. And I thought that spark was gone Um, with them coming back um, home and being at home for a predominant portion of the season. Now um, I'm expecting to continue to see that spark. So shame on me for uh, kind of dismissing it and saying it's never going to come back. Regression to the mean folks. To your credit though, I feel like the last couple of times the Orioles had their nose bloodied. They just curled up into the yeah. fetal position. 
So uh, that that spark hadn't been there to to your credit. Um, I was right there with you. My ugly for this week goes to Logan Andrusik. Look, I could spend needless time hating on him, bringing up his stats, telling you exactly where he fell down, but the Orioles took a flyer on this guy, and it didn't pan out. He is not a pitcher that can pitch at the major league level. There was a reason he was in Japan in the first place. Orioles, get him out of here, keep him away from the Norfolk shuttle, unless he's packing the bags and throwing them underneath. He has been ugly in his Orioles career. All right, Jake, what else you got? going on for blowing the save you know you mentioned uh my daughter turned nine today august 15th is her birthday she's nine years old which seems incredibly uh old every year that she turns a new year i I think to myself oh it's not so bad Uh, by the time i I make peace with that number it's her birthday again and i freak out um but we had a birthday party for her on friday and it, it just you know it makes you realize what friends are for because I have this jerk friend of mine who who stopped by and he said, hey, you know, she's nine now. It's halfway to 18. Wow. That guy's a dick. That guy's a jerk face. Yeah. Scott Magnus, why are you so mean to me? Uh, sorry. By the way, August 15th was the date me and my wife met uh, for our first date. Really? Yeah. A little, little further back than nine years ago? Uh, a little bit further back than, than than nine years ago, close to fifteen years. So yeah, we were celebrating our fifteenth anniversary this past week in Nashville. So good Mad- stuff, Madison. Happy birthday! Yeah, hey wife, happy anniversary! <laughs> and with that, Baltimore and beyond. Uh, I have nothing. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. We, we we're not we're not done yet. I got to play the music and everything like that. You're ju- you're jumping the gun here. So w- one second here. I mean, if we're gonna say thank you to our wives and thank you to our daughters, we gotta get at least play some music on the way out. All right, now you can talk. Now? Yeah. You didn't point. Oh, there you go. I got the point. All right, Baltimore and Beyond, uh, I have nothing left for you. Don't freak out yet. Let us know what bird con you're at. And uh, Baltimore, adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. can't believe we're watching a royals and tigers game this is a sad baseball the royals tigers game is really all about that bug is that a mantis i was it looked like a walking stick no you know you're right it was a mantis yeah it it didn't have the length for it 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 got more screen time than miguel cabrera oh It's over. Go home. Go.